Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life. Different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collie while I was just thinking about it. All right, today we're on uh, Exodus chapter 27. Moses is still in the mountain. This is God still giving Moses instructions on what's happening and what he would like them to do. So not just, you know, like Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff, but God's also giving them instructions about the tabernacle. So these are still God is reciting the blueprints of the tabernacle. And so we're just uh, continuing on. Uh, So this is Exodus chapter 27, starting at verse 1. You shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide. The altar shall be square and its height shall be three cubits. Okay, side note, we're going to be doing a lot of cubit talking. The The standard Egyptian cubit, I should say, is about 18 and a half inches. Uh, so if we do the math, five cubits, oh man, that's like what? Six and a half, seven feet? Roughly? Yeah, I'd say right around there. 18 and a half, you're looking at a foot and a half, and if you got yep. five five uh, foot and a half, so they get five. Yeah, probably eight, nine feet long. Okay, okay. And then how tall? It wasn't very tall. Three cubits high, so about four, four feet foot tall. tall. Yep, four foot tall. Okay, four and a half roughly. All right. Uh, verse two. You shall make its horns on its four corners. Its horns shall be one piece within it. And you shall overlay it with bronze, Also, you shall make its pans to receive its ashes and its shovels and its basins and its forks and its fire pans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. You shall make a grate for it, a network of bronze. And on the the network, you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners. You shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath that the network may be midway up the altar, and you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. This this thing's going to be heavy. The poles shall be put in the rings, and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. You shall make it hollow with boards, as it was shown you... On the mountain, so shall they make it. So these horns, are they like musical instrument horns? Are they animal horns? Are they shoe horns? Like what what kind of horns are they talking about? It's like this. I mean this is a crude drawing. So it is like little like little animal horns. Yeah, it's goat goat horns. Yep. 
Yep. Huh. Like imagine basically goat's horns or like a small ram horn or a lamb's horns in in, well, in, in the corners. Each corner is pointing outward. I would not want to be using this thing during a, a, a thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so did it say the whole thing is bronze? Yeah, and I thought that... all the all the utensils and overlay everything with bronze. You know, make horns at four corners out of bronze, and then overlay the altar with bronze. I was going to say because the altar two. itself is made of wood. Yep. But... Uh, verse two: Make a horn at each of the four corners, so that the horns and the altar are of one piece. And overlay the altar with bronze. Then make all the utensils of bronze too. There's a whole lot of bronze going on. Well, and, and I think that's one thing that most of us don't really think on too much, like about this. Like, like a lot of us, we we kind of don't think of the day-to-day minutia of what the priests would have had to have gone through. Because think about it. I mean, yeah, they're burning up the the sacrifices and stuff, right? In, in this in this tent type of tabernacle let's say every day they do like a hundred sacrifices right that's a lot of animal being burned and the priests have to do something with the ashes they have to clean this out they have to keep the grate clean i mean that would be something interesting to see is how how a bronzing process takes place and how would you bronze something you can't move every bronzing that i know of is a dip method and so how would they bronze an altar Without being able, you know, it's such a large piece too, and you're supposed to bronze everything. Wouldn't it be like you do with overlaid gold? Because if you're going to overlay it with bronze, wouldn't that be like a paint? No, no, overlaid. Like, um, you know, if you beat gold thin enough, you can just fold it over the metal. I'm sorry, fold it over the wood. Yeah, that's overlay. Like, and then you just beat the gold hard enough into the wood, and then it's overlaid with with gold. Obviously, they can't, you know. Back then, they weren't able to, I'm, I'm sure, very often, maybe they, somebody figured it out, make an overlay like a gold leaf overlay. I doubt it would be that thin. And that's a good question, though, Tom, because what we're talking about here is an altar, so it would have to be some thick bronze to make sure that it doesn't burn the acacia wood on the other side. Yeah, you know, and as well as uh, strengthening. I know the, the acacia wood is really strong, but if they're wanting to move this thing around with two poles, right. stuff, you know, it's it, that's a ton of weight to try to withstand and, and maneuver around. No, I agree. I, I would love to see that. Though. I don't know how they would do that. All right, so I guess let's go. Let's go on. Just just keep in mind that this is the, the this is the actual altar that the animals were were sacrificed on. So, uh, all right, verse nine. You shall also make the court of the tabernacle. For the south side, there shall be hangings of the court made of fine woven linen, 100 cubits long for one side. Okay, so 100 cubits would be 180 inches. Inches, yeah. So that'd be like... Got a calculator? No, it'd be 1,800 inches. That's 150 feet. 150 foot long. Yep. So 150 foot long. So the tabernacle would have been 150 feet long on one side. So that's just verse 9. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, verse 10. And it's 20 pillars, and their 20 sockets shall be bronze. The hooks 
here we go again, the hooks of the pillars and their bands shall be silver. Likewise, along the length of the north side, there shall be hangings 100 cubits long with its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets of bronze and the hooks of the pillars and their bands of silver. All right, so we're just talking about the north and south side. Yeah, the, the long, the, you know, yep. really long, 150 feet. It's starting to resemble about the size of a, you know, part of a football field. Yeah, about what, about maybe a third or almost half, looks like, yeah. Okay, but but with this, though, okay, and this still baffles me, because we're talking about, what, what do we estimate, two and a half million people, roughly, and this doesn't right. necessarily include all the animals and all the children either. This is just like 202.3 or 2.2 or whatever, two and a half million men, basically, and plus all their families. So, well, not only that, they must be in a forest of acacia. Somewhere. Like, it's got to be close by somewhere. It, but I guess my my here's my baffling thing. Right now, God has just asked them to use a whole ton of gold and silver and bronze and like a lot of metals right now. Gold is really heavy. Although I kind of get that, like, okay, they, you know, the Bible says, remember, when they were leaving, God said that they, they took, um, you know, all the gold and whatever from, from the Egyptians, because they, they asked for their own pay. But I understand that, because they could, the women could carry these rings or gold or whatever, or the men could carry them as necklaces. You know, like, I could understand that. But we're talking about bronze here and silver here also. So, like, are these just the idols that they took? And how did they carry all this stuff? Are these people just packing it away and just making it work? Because right now we're still only, what, what did we figure out, like a couple months into the the travel in the wilderness? Maybe a couple months right. in. We're not uh, even very far in. You have to think that, um, you know, there might have been chariots. There might have been wagons. Wagons, from yeah. The, you know, from the Egyptians and um, whatever they needed from their neighbors. Because God said, whatever you need from your neighbor, ask of it and they'll give it to you. Good point. You know, And so they'd have to have something that would pack everything up and start to leave. And I don't think they would just pack up it on their back, even though God said to eat with your shoes on. So if uh, <laughs> Be ready you to go. to run. <laughs> right. So, Be ready to go. So, so I think that there's plenty of livestock. There's plenty of uh, chariots or wagons to be pulling this you know, carrying the stuff with, and this is another way to lighten the load. And, you know, they say that idle hands are the devil's playthings and God's got them a to-do list. That's (laughs) pretty big. At least three (laughs) chapters long. (laughs) Continuing in verse 12. And along the width of the court on the West side shall be hangings of 50 cubits with their 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. So this would be roughly half the size. So obviously 75 feet, roughly. Well, I just looked it up, and a football field is 150 foot wide. It's like 300 feet long. So it'd be the width of a foot, the length of the temple area. The length of the temple is the width of a football field. Gotcha. So it's still pretty good size. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
so this is the west hangings, but same thing, okay? So verse 13, the width of the court on the east side shall be 50 cubits. The hangings on the one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. And on the other side shall be the hangings of 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. So this is just talking about the wall, I believe. So this is not even talking about the door yet or the gateway. Right. This is just the perimeter wall. Right. And the sockets that you're talking about are the the bases that the posts are sitting in. So they're not buried in the ground. They're just sitting on the sockets. Right. Because even the even the temple itself, didn't the temple have gold? Was sockets, it, no, yep. silver. It was silver, wasn't silver it? Silver sockets. Yep. yep. Silver. I think your, your Bible said bases or something like that, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, it says bases. Yeah, I like yours better. Sockets make it, makes it sound like some kind of joint you're you're hooking into here, some kind of mechanical joint. Uh, verse verse sixteen for the gate. Here we go. So for the gate of the court, there shall be a screen twenty cubits long, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen made by a weaver. It shall have four pillars and four sockets. All the pillars around the court shall have bands of silver, and their hooks shall be of silver, and their sockets of bronze. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, the width 50 50 throughout, and the height 5 cubits. So 5, that'd be roughly 8 feet, right? Yep, 5 cubits. Roughly. So about eight feet. So it's got a good privacy fence going on. The width of 50 throughout and five cubits are the height made of fine woven linen and its sockets of bronze. All the utensils of the tabernacle of all its service or services, all its pegs and all its pegs of the court shall be made of bronze. And the pegs that it's talking about are to hold the tent up. So it's like the stakes that are going into the ground that uh, the ropes are going to. You know what's cool about this, using brass or bronze? Uh, Bronze is a natural... I don't know what the word is. What's that word that it... uh, The metal naturally deters bacterial and viral growth. Ah, Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you've seen it since, since COVID, a lot of these things have been coming out. These little like rings you can keep on and it helps you. It's got like a little hook so you can grab doorknobs. It's got a little thing in the front so you can push the button in the elevator so you don't have to touch the button. And it's got like uh, another thing on it so you can open doors in a different way. But it's made of brass because brass is a deterrent for bacterial and viral growth. Uh, verse 20, and you shall command the children of Israel, that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually in the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony. Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So the, the the candlestick is actually inside of the tabernacle itself, is inside of the temple, basically. It's 
just inside. It's it's in what's called the holy place. What he's talking about is the most holy place where the testimony is. The testimony just means testimony, the covenant. So that that's talking about like the Ten Commandments, the 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 mercy seat. That's where the one sacrifice a year would would go there. The tabernacle together like has three. It actually has three compartments. It has the courtyard. And then the holy place, and then the most holy place. The most holy place is where the Ark of the Covenant is, and the Ten Commandments. The holy place is where the t- table of showbread is, where the candlesticks are, a 12-branch candlestick, that kind of stuff. Then the courtyard is where the sacrifices would happen. Uh, let me let me give you a picture of how it's supposed to work, and it's real simple. So someone was supposed to choose... And it depended on how wealthy you were and all this other stuff. But what was going to happen, what's supposed to happen is, okay, Tom, I committed a sin. So I'm supposed to go to my flock and I'm supposed to pick a perfect lamb. And then I'm supposed to take that lamb and carry that lamb to the courtyard. And then after I brought it to the courtyard, I was supposed to speak my sins to the head on the head of that lamb. And then after I spoke my sins to the head of that lamb, the I was supposed to slit the lamb's throat and then the um, priest was going to catch some of the blood from that lamb in a brass little like saucer, basically a little dish. And then he goes off and continues on with the uh, sacrificial thing he's supposed to do with the blood. But then my animal, my, my lamb gets cast onto the the altar itself. So I just, I just, I want to paint a picture here with this because lots of symbolism in in all that, right? a ton of symbolism in this, which like I said, I'm sure we'll get into later, but my, my big thing that I want to point out right now is imagine because this was supposed to be placed in the center of all of Israel, like in the middle of all 12 tribes. Now imagine you live on the outskirts of, of the thing, because uh, on the outskirts of the camp, because they're not going to leave the animals in the middle of the camp. And so you have to, you just send, you committed adultery, right? You go out, you have to walk all the way out to your flock, grab a perfect spotless lamb, walk it all the way into the temple while your lamb's baying and the whole time. And you have to walk into this outer courtyard place, right? Where the priests are doing the, the, the sacrifices and stuff and doing the, the, the sin sacrifice. There was a whole lot of different sacrifices. But my point here is, is the only barrier between you and all of the rest of Israel was this fine linen that was woven. Okay. My point is, is everybody knows if you catch my drift, like I'm not trying to say we should be embarrassed into not sinning because what if somebody finds out? That's not my point. My point is, is that Israel was the first nation that the honor system was an open honor system. If you catch my drift, like God was trying to set this up so that there were no barriers between forgiveness and his people. And in doing so, like obviously you know, I'm sure people wouldn't hold it against you because if you brought a spotless lamb and you sacrificed it, you obviously were looking for forgiveness. So that's a good thing. And that's what God was trying to point out here is it wasn't supposed to be this, this shameful thing. It's supposed to be shameful if I sinned and I didn't. 
do it. Like if I didn't go to the Lord to ask for forgiveness. So it's just, it's, it's, we get it. It's going to go into a lot more detail about what this is, but I'm just saying, put yourself in that situation where you're in the camp and you know, you've got, you've done something bad and you know, you've got to go and do all this. Like I could not imagine slitting the throat of a lamb that I've just confessed my sins onto. Like just that action is, it should give people a cringe. Like, Oh, it's, it's, it's a baby sheep. Like, what are we doing? But that's the point. It's supposed to be something that is appalling, just like the symbolism that you're talking about, Tom, the death of Christ. We caused yeah. that. And back then, too, I think that this part, this sacrifice, might not mean as much back then as it does to us today. Because back then, it was just part of life. Killing, killing things to survive. There wasn't a lot of, you know, let's, let's protect these endangered creatures because they didn't know if there were creatures that were not showing up anymore. And so for them, it was, oh, I have to do this. And so it's just a, for them, it was just an act of obedience. There wasn't any morality to it. It was just an act of obedience. I wonder if, and we kind of asked this question last week, I wonder if some of them did get it. Because I'm sure when it started and when people got used to it, I'm sure it became mundane. And like you said, it just became an everyday thing. But I wonder if, because I mean, think about, think about what God is trying to do. So like God, what God is trying to do to Israel is that he's trying to get them to exactly what you just said, get this to be some sort of, you know, meaningful, you know, what's the meaning behind this? Why am I, you know, why do I have to do this? And, and this type of thing, like God is really trying to pull that out of them so that it is something that I don't want to have to go and ask for forgiveness because I don't want to have to go through this. Right. And when the, the meaning, when the symbolism is gone, when the, the understanding of why, then it just becomes, becomes, uh, something that it's not it then becomes about the sacrifice and your sacrifice isn't perfect enough and i don't have a good enough thing to bring to sacrifice and i was told to do this but now i can't so i'm forever damned because i don't have a good enough sheep in my flock to go and sacrifice and you know god's saying that that's not the point right <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean what look at that today isn't that i mean it happens every now and then today as well where people in specific churches or religious organizations are not good enough, at least seem to feel like I got to get my act together before I get into the church. I got to get my act together before I reach out to God. And like you just said, Tom, I, I think it sums it up in one phrase. You're missing the point. <laughs> like you, That's not the point. <laughs> the point is, is it's on, and to bring in the symbolism, it's on the lamb. It's all about, it's always, it's always, always, it's always, always been about the lamb. Like, it's his, it's what he's done. But we only have a, a couple of chapters and then they end up leaving Sinai. Like, everything happens and they're, they're on their way. They're finally in the wilderness trusting God, fully trusting in him. I don't know, th this is exciting because of the symbolism, I think, because... And that's why I asked that question. I've asked it twice now. Do you think they really realized who this was pointing toward? Or was it just just like kind of like what you just said, Tom? Is it just 
well, God said, this is what we got to do for forgiveness. So this is what we're going to do. Now, I'm biased. I think that if they got it right the first time, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. What do you mean? You see, God gave us this, which is parallels the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice of the lamb and, and, you know, everything that happened to Jesus. They built this. They put their blood, sweat, and tears into making these complicated structures based off of a vision from Moses. And yet they still backslid and went completely the other direction and was, I'm not, you know, not too many, too many spoilers, but they missed the point. If they had gotten the point, if they would have kept true with what they were told and followed that, I don't think that there would have been a need for for Christ. But because we're flawed people, that, you know, Jesus ended up being the ultimate sacrifice. I think, I don't don't know if I would fully agree with that, only, only for one reason. Because I think if Israel would have gotten it right, like you're saying... And done it all, done it all the way that it was supposed to be done. Would that not hearken to man producing its own salvation? No, because it was a direction of God. Because they were actually listening to what God said. It took many, 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 many years before God said, "Okay, if this is going to be done right, I'm going to have to do it myself." You know, <laughs> That's because... it, kids. I'm coming down. You know, the other instance of of a Red Sea moment, if you will, was with the Ark. If everyone would have got it right the first time and paid attention and hearkened to God's word, the flood might not have happened. If Adam and Eve weren't the way they were and distrusting and, and, and not, not distrusting, but overly trusting of everything in the garden. No, um, I would say distrusting because <laughs> that's what Satan did first. Do you, did God really say? Then they disobeyed there. And so there's all these instances of sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. And then time goes by and the significance behind the sacrifice is lost. And then there has to be a, a, a new version, a new, a new way for God to reach us. And the ultimate you know, I, way, yeah, the ultimate way. And we're, we're looking here 1500 years, almost 1600 years between this sacrifice and Jesus. Now we are another what 20, 2022, you know, 2000 years later, roughly, yeah. you know, and there's still a lot of people groups that that ultimate sacrifice is lost on and they don't understand the meaning behind it. Uh, a great uh, this old house, this this old 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 house by Moses. <laughs> this old tabernacle. Now today, in this old tabernacle, we're going to be building a gate. We have to go back to these three, and you're going to have to read all three of these at, at, in that voice and uh, reenact. reenact <laughs> <laughs> 1,800 cubits. You know what a cubic is, right? A cubic is. <laughs> Dom, honestly, I think you just made a perfect skit for for the yep. new show. Like, that would be perfect to be, yeah. Now, let me get out my cubit. <laughs> Mo- Mo- Moses told me firsthand, this is what we got to do now. <laughs> 
I am the general contractor. <laughs> All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to come together and be able to talk about the, the pearls of wisdom that you've left behind. Um, thank you for, for Moses and his his uh, descriptions here of, of the very first tabernacle, Lord. Um, as much as we poke fun and, and laugh about it, Lord, we know it's a, a really serious and uh, um, symbolic building and structure. And Lord, just pray that you help us not to have the significance lost on us. And Lord, just pray that you be with us until we, we meet each other again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. And this has been Tom. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Lost my voice. <laughs> now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to biblicalchili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. Welcome to Biblical Chili, brought to you by Spider-Man. Didn't you know that Spider-Man is amazing and he got bit by a radioactive spider, which gives him his abilities, now live in theaters. Now back to you, Justin. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations, you're one of the few. We love you.